turn on your devices because Pastor Neil is about to bring the message. Hey, thank you, Pastor Denny. Hey, turn to your neighbor on the left and the right and say, God's got a good word for you. Blessings on the kids leaving. Man, oh man. Everybody on that side? No. I was going to tell you all to move forward, but sit where you want to. Thank you, Lord. Well, I just wanted to share something about the promises of God with you today. and um, I want you to answer a couple questions before we start. For instance, in 2 Corinthians 1.20, it said, All the promises of God are yes and amen to the glory of God, to you. Do you believe that? So what God is telling you, that every promise I've made to you is yes, Every promise I've made to you is so be it. Um, amen means so be it in English. To the glory of God. So God's saying it glorifies me that you understand that all my promises to you are really yes and amen. So do you all believe that all the promises of God are yes and amen? Does anybody not believe that? Okay, is everybody here today? Because yeah. <laughs> um, I want to share something that's very powerful today. I will guarantee you, um, we'll have four promises today. We'll use six verses and um, we'll have four promises out of those six verses. And I will guarantee to you that when you walk out of here today that you'll be able to walk in those promises. Uh, and because of what God says and because who God is. Amen. I love walking in the promises of God. Um, another thing that is very important for us, and I'm going to set some ground rules first. Um, one, the promises are yes and amen. Two, it's impossible for God to lie. That's Hebrews 6, 6, 18. That it's impossible for God to lie. So if God says it in his word, it has to take place. Do you all agree with that? Okay, so we got two ground rules here. All the promises of God are yes and amen to you. And it's impossible for God to ever lie. So the, those are two important things to set up here. Um, also, God said this in his word, that you're an heir of God, meaning heir inheritance. That means that you inherit everything of God. And you're a joint heir with Christ. That means that everything that Christ has, you jointly inherit also. Those, that's the word of God. Do you believe that? I only heard one yes. Okay. Um, that's a little harder for us to believe in our flesh for some reason, but that's true because the Bible says it. It's impossible for God to lie, and all the promises of God are yes and amen. So God is telling you that, and it happens when you're born again. When you are born again, you actually, what you do, it's called the great exchange, but you give up all of your flesh. You, get, you die, actually. You will die. You take up your cross, you die in the flesh. And then you give that to Jesus, your, your sin, your death, your flesh. Jesus then gives you all of his life, all of God's life, in exchange for that. We call it the great exchange. We call it the gospel. It's called many things. But this is a 
a starting point for all of us to stand on and understand. Here's what happens to most Christians, though, is they go grab that flesh, resurrect it, and somehow think that God wants to put a Band-Aid on them whenever they mess up. That flesh is dead, and every time you resurrect that flesh, what you're doing is you're stepping outside the promises of God. You're stepping outside the spirit realm of God. You're grabbing something that was dead, and you're resurrecting it, and you're walking in it. And I would say that 99% of the problems that most Christians have have nothing to do with being attacked by the devil, have nothing to do with them in some battle, and everything to do with just simple disobedience and resurrecting their flesh. And the reason why you go around the mountain so often is because you're disobedient. You resurrect the flesh and you live in it. And um, so I just wanted to start that by getting us kind of in a mode of understanding. I wish maybe as pastors we explain born again more often and maybe spend more time in what that means. Because you are actually dead. Your flesh is actually dead, and you died, and you've been come again alive. And I've, I know I've mentioned this many times in the last several weeks, but it's so important to know and understand. So, standing on the promises. How do we stand on the promises of God? I'm going to give you four promises out of six verses. We'll go to Proverbs chapter 3. And in Proverbs chapter 3, we'll go to a very famous section of Scripture. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. He'll direct your path. So that's just verse 5, but we're going to go there. So first of all, how many of you would like to have God lead you in every decision you make? How many of you here would like that? How many of you here did not raise your hand? <laughs> Some of you didn't. Um, how many like to be led by God in whatever you do? Everything you do, how would you like to be led by God? God actually leads you in the path of life in everything you do. Okay, I would like that. How would you like to have healing refreshment in your body and in your spirit at all times? Amen. I would too. I personally believe that I walk in divine health because the one, the, the healer's in me. So I've been fighting something for the last week or so that's trying to get on me. And it's like, it's, it amazes me. Like, how can this like cough or whatever try to get on me it has no right you know and I'm like I'm kind of like freaked out by it because I don't usually ever ever get sick I'm the one who's usually laying hands on people so I'm not sick but the symptoms of the enemy has been trying to put like a little cold on me it's gone in Jesus name but anyway so yeah healing refreshment in our bodies and spirits and how to overflow with blessings in your life I will guarantee all four of these things to you just as you read these six verses in scripture and apply these promises to your life. So again, simple things, but let's just let's just get going in it. Let's go to the next slide. Okay, let's look at the first verse, uh, Proverbs three five. And what I did is I put this is how the verse is in the um, Passion Translation. So that's the verse. I put those one two threes in there though. So. God will lead you into every decision you'll make. Here's what happens, though. There's a little bit that we have to do on our part. First one we have to do is we have to trust the Lord completely. Simply trust Him completely. Now, when our flesh is dead and we're living in the Spirit, we are controlled by the Holy Spirit of the living God living inside of us. That's pretty simple to do. But when we resurrect the flesh, 
and live in the flesh, trusting the Lord completely is very hard to do because actually we're listening to our flesh as well as the Spirit. So the real issue is when we don't walk in this one promise is, are we trusting the Lord completely in everything? And do you not rely on your own opinions? My opinions really don't matter. It's the opinions of God that matter. And when you know what I'm saying up here? If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, you better spit that junk out. And I like stuff what the Word of God says. Do not rely on your own opinions. With how much of your heart? With all of your heart, rely on Him to guide you. We have to actually rely on God. It's, it's called trust. Some call it faith. But we have to actually rely on Him. And here's what happens when you do that. Here's the promise from God in that verse. He will lead you in every decision you make. That's a promise. Again, all the promises are yes and amen. If you want to be led by God in every single decision you make, trust him. Don't rely on your own opinions. And with all your heart, just rely on him. I'm telling you, it's really cool. He will do this. He will absolutely do this. It's impossible for him to lie. Let's go on to the next verse. I've got the slides here, so I've actually copied them myself. How to be led by God wherever you go. Man, I want to be led by God wherever I go. I don't really want to lead myself because when I get in the flesh and lead myself, it's a mess. I want to be led by God wherever I go. So there's only one thing to do here. And that is, become intimate with him in whatever you do. Intimacy means an in-depth knowing him more than anyone else. It's like a hunger to know him more. I want to ask you a simple question. Do you all have an important appointment every single day with the king of the universe? Are you intimate with him? Are you intimate in everything you do with him? Is he is the number one person in your life. If you are intimate with God, God promises that he will lead you wherever you go. You're not going to get off path. Why? Because through a place of intimacy and oneness with him, you walk step and step together. So again, that second promise is simple. If we allow ourselves to become intimate with him, because he will take us and walk with us. You know, the Enoch walk. The two of them became intimate and walked together as one. So he'll lead you wherever you go, but there's a, one thing we do, and that is to become intimate with him. Let's go to the next verse. Actually, there's two verses in this one. How to have healing refreshment in your body and spirit. Man, I know there's a lot of people hurting out there, both physically, emotionally, spiritually, hurting in their body and spirit. Matter of fact, I know somebody that's here. Was that a knee? That, what happened to your knee? Snowmobile accident. What happened to your wrist? Uh, carpal tunnel. Carpal tunnel. Is it all right if we pray with you guys after the service about those things and get that healed up? I don't know. I don't, there's probably other folks that. But to be able to have that healing refreshment in your body and spirit, even when an accident happens in our lives. Okay, here's how this happens. Don't think for a moment you know it all. That's pride. I don't know it all. But God does. So when I'm yielded in the flesh, I'm not picking up my flesh. I'm yielded to the Holy Spirit and controlled by the Holy Spirit. I'm not walking in what I know. 
I'm walking in what he knows. The second thing is, is that wisdom comes when you adore him with undivided devotion. It's almost like the one that being intimate with him. But undivided devotion is the issue here. Is your devotion with him a hurry up kind of thing? Is Are you double-minded in your devo devotion with him? Is there a, an agenda that you have? Here's a, a, a devotion that um, I've mentioned many times and it's easy for you to catch. I, I catch it anyway by this example is we get God out like, like he's on a phone. Like we, hey God, I need this, I need that, I need this, and I, I have you, will you please do this for me, and I need this prayer answer, and this prayer, okay, I got to go by. Mm -hmm. But, do you know, sometimes we do stuff like that, don't we? Um, undivided devotion to him. If we're living in the spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to control us, it brings us in a place of undivided devotion to him in oneness with him. And the third one is that we avoid everything that's wrong. Now this is simple because anything not done in faith is sin. That's the simplest definition of sin. So anything that we're not doing in faith is something usually we're doing wrong. If it's not done in faith, it's wrong. It makes it easy. So when we're, we avoid everything that's wrong, we do these three things. Here's what the result was will be in your life. You'll find that healing refreshment in your body and in your spirit. You will find it. It'll be there. God's promises are yes and amen. It's impossible for God to lie. God said these promises are true. But there's a part for us to do. And that's where we get the big but. Yeah, but's in the way. But Let's go on. Let's, that's, um, let's go on a couple more verses. We'll go all the way through to verse 10. So we start at verse 5, we'll go to verse 10. Um, how would you like to have every dimension of your life um, so filled with the overflow and blessings from an uncontainable source of inner joy from God? Well, wouldn't that be cool all the time to live in that? Again, God promises that. He promises that to every one of you in here, it's not to some pastor or some religious person who's kind of got it all figured out. This promise, as the other three promises were to all of us, and it simply works this way. <clears throat> Here's the beginning of that verse, those two verses. Glorify God with all your wealth. Now, I'm not talking about tithes and offerings because the tithes and offerings already belong to him. He's talking about your wealth. So this is the wealth that's left over, not just financial, but things that he's added to you. Are you glorifying him with all of your wealth? Some people got this mentality, well, I'm, I'm a tither, so 90% now is mine. Actually, under the New Testament, 100% belongs to Jesus. 100% belongs of you belongs to Jesus. You died. You're dead. And everything that you have, actually, you're stewards over that he's given you. And are you honoring him with everything that you have? That means the little secret sins that you got on the side, like the smoking and the drinking and the pornography and all the different little secret sins that you have that are even uh, addiction to caffeine. All those little secret things that you're throwing money at. Are you honoring him with all of your wealth? Are you? Are you honoring him with your very best? So that the very best of what you have, you're honoring him. After all, again, you're just a steward over it. And then every increase that comes to you, are you honoring him with it? 
if you do those things, here's the promises that, that comes from it. Then every dimension of your life, not some of the dimensions of your life, not parts of the dimension of your life, every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings from an uncontainable source of inner joy. Are you doing those things? See, the promises of God, a lot of them have an if to them before you get to the, yes, here's the promise. And the if usually is simply yielded to the him. I will give all of my sin and all of my flesh up to you, God. And by the blood of your son, and then you're going to give me all of your life. Again, didn't we read that we're heirs of God, joint heirs of Christ? But I don't know why we're so silly. I mean, you guys aren't, but I am so silly that I want to go pick up my flesh again and try to live in that and try to rule in my life, in my own flesh again, after I've had such a great exchange. To cross that bloodline and pick up junk in the flesh and then put it back on us and then walk in my own life and think that God's some type of Band-Aid. When I fall down, he's going to put a Band-Aid on it and make it better. And that I can call God out of heaven like he's some type of yo-yo that when I need him, I can use him. Otherwise, my life is my life and I'm in control of it. No, it isn't. You're dead. Born again means you died completely to the flesh. And you've been born again in the spirit. These promises don't work in the flesh. The promises of God do not work in the flesh. And that's why so many of us struggle with these beautiful promises of God. I mean, they say there's thousands of promises in the Word of God. I know that every time I open the Word of God, that almost in every verse, you can find a beautiful promise of God somehow. That there's such a beautiful love letter that he's given us. And then he begins to speak to us and share himself with us. Here's how it works. And again, I have to reiterate this over and over and over again, but God takes your death upon himself and gives you all of his life, then pulls you into a relationship, into his family. He makes you his favorite one, which he, we all are, which is so cool, and I don't know how it works. My mind is just not too big to understand that yet here on this earth, but I'll get it, even though I have the mind of Christ. And he makes you his favorite one. Then he begins to unravel his love in you. And as he does, he begins to show himself to you. And as he shows himself to you, he begins to share with you why you're on this earth and what you were created for on this earth. He gives you your destiny and your purpose. And he begins to have you walk with him in that destiny and purpose. And it's bigger than you can ever think and ever imagine. It is so beautiful and so big. And that's who you are in Christ. And then he gives you all these promises to fulfill that with. But then we step out of that and somehow pick up the flesh and put the flesh back on and think we're going to go run our lives ourselves. Here's something that I heard to yesterday and I was around some people and they said these things and, and you may hear this yourself, but here's how many who say they're Christians act. Well, I got to go to college to get this degree and then I got to get this job and then I want to do this in my life and um, oh, what type of money do you make in your job? And what type of job do you have? And we're defining ourselves by our job and by our, our what we do in life, in the flesh. We say that even in our ministry, we do stuff. And it's all about us obtaining something 
And then when we're obtaining this stuff, we ask God to come into our flesh and bless that. Like it's somehow he's going to bless us going off and doing what we want to do. And we wonder why we have such trouble in our life. Your life was never meant to be that way. You died when you were born again. And your life was given to him. And your life has to do with you getting into the center of his will and him showing you what he will do in your life. And the world has it backwards. And I hear Christians all the time getting it backwards. Like, I'm doing this and this and this, and I want God's blessings on it. Really? Really? God doesn't bless the flesh. Every dimension of your life will overflow with the blessings from an uncontainable source. Why? Because we believe the promises, because we're walking in the Spirit. Let's go to the next one there. How do we live then in these promises? Well, of course we must be born again. We know that and filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, that's, that's number one. But then we need to trust God and everything he says. We got to just believe him. I mean, it's impossible for him to lie. So either, either he is a liar or we need to believe him. And simply get to the point where you believe him. That's called faith. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek after him. Trust him in everything you do. Every area of your life. There's no area of your life that you're in control of if it's dead. Every area of your life, allow the Holy Spirit to have full control. The reason why so many folks are dealing with addictions in their life is because it's flesh. And your flesh wants that stuff. And you'll never get out of it. I mean, people with smoking addictions and drinking addictions and pornography and you can name any type of an addiction. It's simply this. You have separated yourself from God by not walking in the spirit. You're now walking in the flesh. And that separation is just a symptom that actually the separation is the root. The addiction is the symptom of the separation. And people will come as a pastor and ask, how can I get out of this addictive behavior? And they'll think I'm going to start talking about the, the addiction. The addiction is just the symptom. Your issue is, is you've separated yourself from God and you're walking in the flesh. And until you come back in the spirit realm, repent and come back to him, the addictions aren't the issue. The issue is, is that your flesh has separated itself from God. So, trust God. Trust God. This is a hard message, but it's a true message. You know what I'm saying is true. Let me read to you Psalm 95, verses 7 through 11. It says, We are the lovers he cares for, and he is the God we worship. So drop everything else and listen to his voice. For this is what he is saying. Today when I speak, don't even think about turning a deaf ear to me. Like they did when they tested me at Mirbeth and Mashah. This is um, those who are walking through the wilderness. The three million Jews who came out of Egypt and walked in the wilderness. The place where they argued with me. Again, talking about those who wandered in the wilderness. Their creator. So they argued with their creator. 
Your ancestors challenged me over and over with their complaining, even though I was con convinced them of my power and of my love. They still doubted my care for them. So for 40 long years, I was grieved and disgusted with them. I de described them as wicked wanderers whose hearts would not follow my ways or keep my words. So I made a vow and declared, they will never enter into the resting place I planned for them. So don't you ever be hard-hearted or stubborn like they were. Three million, only two entered into the promised land of that group. Now their children entered in, but of the three million, only two, Caleb and Joshua, that entered in, because of their whining, their complaining, and their disbelief, they did not trust God, even though over and over and over again, he gave them his promises. He was there for them. He never left them. He never forsook them. They walked out from under his protection and began to walk in the flesh. And in that place of flesh, they never entered into their rest. They never entered into the promises. I'm telling you, sometimes you're not entering into the promises because of your simple mistrust of God and your disobedience and walking in the flesh. Hebrews chapter 4 begins to speak of this. Hebrews at the end of chapter 3 says they just wandered and they didn't get it. Again, meaning the Jews who wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, going around and around and taking an 11-day journey. They took 40 years and then they died there. They never came in. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1 says, Now God has offered us the same promise of entering into the realm of resting, confident faith. So we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fail to experience it. For we have heard the good news of deliverance just as they did, yet they didn't join their faith with the word. Instead, they heard and it didn't affect them deeply and they doubted. For those of us who believe, faith activates the promise. And we experience a realm of confident rest, for he has said, I was grieved with them and made this oath. They will never enter into the coming rest of my spirit, for God's works have all been completed from the foundation of the world. What he's saying to us is because they stepped out in the flesh, got out from under my promises, did not follow my spirit, did not follow me, they didn't trust me. They didn't believe me. They were disobedient and they whined and complained. They died. And he's saying, don't. Don't. You. Go that way. Don't go that way. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, But without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Trust everything that God says. God's a big God. God knows. He's got like this really cool stuff for us. I mean, when he gives us all of himself, he really gives us all of himself. It's huge. It's big. But we got to be able to trust him. Obedience issues. James chapter 1 verse 22 says, Don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it. For in essence, this is self-deception. What is self-deception? 
when we hear the word of truth and we don't do it. It's self-deception. We're deceiving our own selves when we think that we can hear the word. We come in here on a Sunday, let's say, and you hear the word of God, this word today. And we walk out of here and say, wow, that was okay. That was good. Never act on it. That's called self-deception. Anytime he shares his word with you, it's, it's a beautiful promise, not some big heavy burden. It's about dying in the flesh so we could have all of him. It's so cool. I mean, there's, I mean, come on. There's something God has done. He came out of heaven's glory and died in your place. The wages of sin is death. Every sin demands death. Every sin demands death. So those who think you can walk in your pet sins and think that, well, they're not hurting anyone else. It's just me that I'm dealing with here. You're wrong. Every sin has to have death to cover it, blood covering. But Jesus did that for us. He's covered every one. Past, present, and future, he's covered them all for us. All we got to do is allow him to come to us. Why does he say something like this? You need to take up your cross daily and die. Come to me. See, the cross is the place of death for the flesh, but it's the place of resurrection in the spirit realm because after the cross, Jesus resurrected from the dead. Hallelujah. And that resurrected Jesus is now inside of us. Amen. It's that resurrected Jesus, but we have to daily keep our flesh on that cross because if we don't, it will get off and try to rule us. And when we get in that place of allowing our flesh to be part of our lives, we separate ourselves from God and his promises. And that makes the promises of no effect in your life. I guaranteed you could walk in these promises. But it will take you walking in the spirit to walk in those promises. Proverbs chapter 19 verse 3 is simple verse it says there are some people who ruin their own lives and then they blame it all on God sometimes we think that all this junk that's happening to us is like some weird thing like oh why is this happening why is that happening oh woe is me well first of all we are living in a fallen world so some of that stuff can get on us even in living in the fallen world but a lot of times what it is it's just us simply not walking in the spirit, walking in the flesh. And in the flesh, we got problems. Hmm. Jesus said it this way, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. That's John 14, 15. Jesus said in John 14, 23, Jesus answered them and said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come and make our home with him. Jesus is saying that if, if you take my word, believe it, take my word, if you're obedient to it, if you take my word into you, that the Father God and me, Jesus, we're going to come and live inside you. We're going to manifest ourselves in you. By the way, and everything that is of me is coming with me. What a beautiful promise of God. What a beautiful promise to each and every one of us. Amen. But there's a, the beginning of it is, if you keep my word. 
Verse 24 says, He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the words which you hear are not mine, but the Father who sent me. Verse John chapter 15, 10, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Obey. Obey everything God says. And the only way to obey it is you won't be able to do it in the flesh. Your flesh doesn't obey the word of God. You've got to yield and die to the flesh. And obedience comes when you're yielded to him. Allowing then the power of the Holy Spirit who's come to lead you in all truth and show you things to come. To have control of you. And take you into a destiny and purpose that's far beyond you could ever dream of. That's who you are. That's what you're made for. But again, church, the real issue with a lot of the church today is simply they don't trust the word of God. Because by your fruits you'll know them. And they're not being, being obedient to the word of God. And they're simply walking in the flesh. I'm going to ask um, Amy to come up. We're going to close. Um, you, you know, it, it, you really need to kind of level with God. Because God knows everything. He knows your inner heart. He knows everything you're thinking. He knows what's going on. And just tell him, if you have struggles in the flesh in a certain area, let him know. He's God. He's big. He's huge. He loves you. He loves you so much that he'll die. He died for you. And he wants you to walk in his promises. He really does. He's made a way for each and every one of us. But we can't keep having one foot in the world and one foot with God. That's double-minded. Matter of fact, partial disobedience, I mean, partial obedience is disobedience. Let me say that again. Partial obedience is disobedience. You can look at um, Saul as a picture of that. When Saul says, I, I sacrificed for the priests. The priests weren't here. And I sacrificed because the armies were coming and we had to go to war. So God, I just took their place and did what I needed to do. I sacrificed for them so that we could get on with this battle. They were coming and they were like right on us. And God said to obey is better than sacrifice. And because of what you did, I'm going to take your kingship from you. You will never be the king again. And a lot of times we are kings and queens before the most high God. But because of our disobedience, because of our lack of trust and faith in him, we cancel out a lot of what he wants to do in us. But I, the, here's the good news. He's always there. We even sang that he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's always there. He's always waiting. No matter how far you go, he's always waiting. And all he's asking is just turn around. Turn around. Come on, my child. Turn around. Come back to me. Come on, we got stuff to do. And as you walk with him, if you fall down again, he's always there waiting. Come on, come on, come on. You're going to make mistakes in the flesh. But are you going to get up and get back to where you need to be in him? Every one of the promises of God are yes and amen to you. Those four promises that were promised today are yours and many more. And it's not about the promises. It's about him giving you all of him so that you can walk in something bigger than yourself. The promises are vehicles that help you get to that point. Hmm. So I'm going to ask the um, prayer team. I know some of the prayer team left, Devin. But I, if I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up. But 
I'm going to ask each of you to stand right now. God is so good. So, so good. He's made a way by his blood to keep us in a place of righteousness. But I'm going to ask you to do two things. One, make sure you take up your cross daily. Make sure your flesh is dead. Make sure you're not running your own life, but that he's in control. Make sure you understand what born again really means, and that you're walking in a born again lifestyle, allowing the Holy Spirit to control your life and lead you into the destiny and purpose that he has for you. That's, that's important to do every single day. He says, take up your cross daily. And then if there's something in your life that you're dealing with that is at odds of what God has for you, we need to lay that down today. We need to lay it down, let him take it, put it on him. He's got wide shoulders. He took it all on the cross. He wants to carry that for you and that you'll never have to carry it again. Um, there's a couple people we're going to pray for healing on. Uh, what is it? Um, carpal tunnel? Here, put your arms out. Can you, is it all right if I pray for you? Now, how did this come about? You know, over there. You believe that the promises of God that He says, if we lay hands on those that are sick or those that need healing, that they'll be that they will recover. That's a promise, isn't it? Okay, I'm going to ask you to come on up here. I, is there a catcher somewhere I can get a catcher? Um, put your, could you put your hands out? And when we lay hands on your hands, we actually, when I touch your each of your wrists, you're going to be healed in Jesus' name. Do you believe that? Okay, in the mighty name of Jesus, these wrists are healed. Mighty name of Jesus, the mind of Christ over her. Father, all disbelief, God, in Jesus' name. The mind of Christ, just saturate and feel her totally from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet. More, more, there it is, more, 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 there it is. More, 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 more. More in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Just soak in it. Just soak in it for a There's a, a knee. Well, you don't have to come up. I'll just come over there. Is that right? You can stay sitting down. So what happened to that knee? You said a snowmobile accident? It, what are they saying? What's wrong with it? It's broke? Okay. Um, Jesus is the one who fixes stuff, you know, kind of. He can fix lives and he can fix knees. I, I really believe that. I'm going to ask Missy to come over and her put her hands on your knee. And, um, and what what did they say as far as broke was? And when you say broke, what? Okay. So we we're, we want uh, Father God right now in the mighty name of Jesus. We believe your promises. And your promises said that if we lay hands again. And those that are sick or those that are, have an injury, that they're going to be healed. So ligaments um, grow together. Any ligament damage be gone in Jesus' name. Total healing in this knee. In the mighty name of Jesus. All inflammation go in Jesus' name. He, um, that whole knee be healed in Jesus' name. Now, have you seen anything? Are you feeling anything? You don't have to feel anything, but are you not sure? Okay. 
Thank you, Lord. You know, I was healing. Yeah, God heals. But I was praying with a gentleman whose arm was messed up like this, and he couldn't straighten it out. And we prayed for him that night. And he went out, and here I'm trying to, I'm, I have, I'm teaching a class on healing. So his arm never got straight. The next morning, he calls up. He says, I woke up and my arm works. I believe in total healing right now for that knee. But I also believe that it's going to continue to just be healed in the mighty name of Jesus. When you go back for your MRI, they're going to be astounded that what has happened? What has happened in that knee that is so healed in the name of Jesus? We thank you, Jesus, for that healing. Uh, one more.